Ken Smith. He's not with us, but he's alive with Jesus. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the promise of eternal life. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep, giving us assurance of resurrection of the dead by your own resurrection. And Lord, we thank you for the day that is coming when we will see our brother again. But right now, Lord, we ask for your blessing to be upon this service, your grace to be imparted to those who are mourning the most. But Lord, you would use us as your body to bring strength and comfort and love to Ken's family. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you for your blessing upon this service. We give you all the praise and the glory for your mercy upon each of us. In Jesus' name. So very glad we came. We can sense your holy presence, the warmth of your embrace. As we lift our hearts in worship, we bring the sacrifice of praise. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the of refuge beneath the shadow of the wings. So we purpose to obey you and walk in all your ways. Lord, in every situation, we'll bring the sacrifice of praise. We bring the sacrifice of praise.
Kenneth Edward Smith was born in Amarillo, Texas in 1930 on September the 28th to Randolph and Jules Smith, his beloved parents. Barbara said that he quietly and gently slipped into the arm of Jesus and went onward to his eternal home on January 14th, two weeks ago today. He survived by his loving wife, Barbara, whom he married on March 15th, over 64 years ago. Wow. They have four children, Suzanne, Brian, Doug, and Jim, as well as a granddaughter who they raised as a daughter, Rachel. The Smiths have been blessed with nine grandchildren and nine great-grandchildren. Mr. Smith, Brother Smith, Ken, as we all love to call him, was a graduate of Amarillo High School and a U.S. Army veteran, having served in the Korean War Theater. He earned his living as a ceramic tile setter and home builder. He was an artist in his spare time painting seascapes and Texas landscapes and Western scenes, and he blessed many with his artwork, used many different media. Sometimes he might paint on a saw or a canvas. He was also a founding member of Shady Grove Church of Grand Prairie, as well as this congregation, having built the house where we first began meeting. Yes, our church started in a Ken and Barbie house. <laughs> he is also survived by his sister, Judy Burns, and her husband, Marty, his brother, Bob Smith, and his wife, Georgia, and numerous cousins, nieces, and nephews, and all of us in this room. He was preceded in death by his parents, Randall and Jules Smith, their daughter Suzanne, and great-grandson Gideon. Here we cannot but part with Ken's earthly remains, but not his fruits. Here we no longer hear this man of God's voice, but not his words. Here we cannot enjoy more new creations of his artist hands, but not his works. Here we cannot be in step with this busy man's feet, but not his walk. Here we can't stop realizing this beloved brother, husband, father, and grandfather is away from us, but not his legacy. Here we cannot keep from saying goodbye, but not for long. For one day soon, God's trumpet will sound, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds, to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Ken has slipped away from this visible realm into the invisible realm. Just, just because you can't see something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. My first trip as an adult to Colorado was a very disappointing trip. It was overcast the whole time I was there. Never saw the tops of the mountains. On the way back, I prayed, Lord, what was all that about, this getaway? And I couldn't enjoy the mountains. And the Lord just impressed on me, on my heart, just because you can't see them doesn't mean they're not there. Just as a ship sails beyond the horizon till it disappears does not mean the ship is not there. If you've ever taken a cruise, just because you've slipped away from the port and land is no longer visible does not mean it has got left forever, you're gone, forever trapped out on the seas. Our vision is limited, but our God is unlimited. 
May God grant all of us fresh vision and fresh revelation based on the eternal perspective. Like a little boy viewing a parade through a knot hole, he doesn't see the whole picture. But when we set our affections on things above and magnify the Lord in our hearts, we see the big picture. Ken is not dead. He is sleeping in Jesus. He's the, in the presence of Jesus. From this side, he's asleep. From that side, he's escaped the bonds of time and entered into eternity, present and future. Amen. Thank you so much for coming to worship with us today. Ken loved to worship, and he loved to talk about the Holy Spirit. If you do not have more of the Holy Spirit in your life, Ken would challenge you and say, you know, we need the Holy Spirit. We need to get back to some things maybe we have left.
first I'd like to read a letter from their baby boy, Jim. He wrote, Kenneth E. Smith, my dad. He was perhaps the greatest man I've ever known. He was, for my entire life, a man of integrity, full of love and compassion, full of generosity, and most importantly, full of Christ. I know that I pushed him to the limits of tolerance at times, but because of who he was, he always was full of forgiveness. What a great man, my dad, in all capitals. He was a hardworking man, always doing something. He cared so much about his family and others and went out of his way to help in times of need. He loved life and loved to see others laugh and was always trying to make others smile. I was blessed and so grateful to have been able to spend six hours with them on December 17, 2016. And with so much joy together, we talked, laughed, and ate Christmas dinner with Mom, too. What a great time together, Dad. I love you. We will miss you, but know that there's a place in heaven that you will be waiting with open arms of love for us. See you later, Dad. With much love, your son, Jim. I was trying to think of a great story to share about my grandfather. They raised me. They had me since I was three. But when I was right before my 15th birthday, it was February, and he took me out on a date. And that wasn't, thank you so much, that wasn't very typical of him. He wasn't very forthcoming with his emotion. Um, he loved me, but he didn't dote on me. So he took me to Montana's here in Granbury. And I can still point out the booth that we sat in. <laughs> we sat across from each other. He started to get a little nervous. and <laughs> He pulls out a box. Little ring box, and he opened it up, and it was my great grandmother's engagement ring. And he handed it to me, and he said, Baby, I just want to tell you how proud I am of you. What a wonderful young woman you're becoming. He said, I want you to, to, to you know, to stay true to yourself and, and stay, stay true to Jesus and be pure until, until you get married. And then once you're married, I'll take this ring off of you. So I, I still have the ring. But it was a moment that he genuinely gave himself to me. He opened up and poured himself into me. He loved my children. His face would light up. He absolutely adored Enoch. And I know that him and Gideon, I know that they are having all kinds of fun together. Probably playing chicken foot. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to the day when I get to see both of them again. Thank you. Kenneth Smith was a great example to my life. He's the one that pretty much gave me direction when I came from Mexico. I lived in Mexico for 20 years. My parents were missionaries and when I was up here it was something special because I didn't have a job and my parent, my dad 
put in the bulletin in Shady Grove that if there was somebody that could give me a job, I was going to college and Ken Smith called me up. And one of these verses that in the Bible that makes me feel honored to know Smith, Ken Smith is in Romans 5, 19, it says, For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. And one of the things about Ken, he knew who that man was. He knew who that man really made him be righteous again. It didn't matter the sins or the things that had happened in the past. All that mattered is his relationship with Jesus Christ as a friend. And Ken Smith is something special because he really lived that life of having a best friend as Jesus Christ and trying to be an example to others about the life of Jesus, sharing Jesus to everybody. It's amazing to see how Ken Smith, even in times of trouble, because working with him, I was learning the tile business. It was amazing to work with him because he would show me and he would never lose his temper. I remember working in a building. We were in this big building, commercial building, and we were laying this big wall of tile. And I started it really fast, and I got to the end, and I was so proud that I finished real fast. And Ken Smith looks at me and says, Josh, you made a mistake at the beginning. We have to take this all off and start all over again. But he didn't scream at me or cuss at me. He just told me, Josh, let's fix it. I was like, oh, sorry, kid. And went over and we fixed it and made it all whole again. And it was amazing to see how this man was an impact to my life. And he's a great man. And I encourage you to remember all the good things that Ken Smith, whoever knew Ken Smith, remember all the positive things that Ken Smith taught us and how he lived his life and be an example to others as Christ was an example to Ken Smith and he was an example to us. Thank you very much for giving me this time. God bless you. Ken Smith was my longtime dear friend. Our history began in 1948. A lot of you weren't born <laughs> at that time. But I was born and raised in Waco. Ken was born and raised in Amarillo by his mother, by his grandparents, and an uncle. They did an outstanding job raising him because he kept talking about his childhood, being a, a teenager. And he talked about many times wanting to move back to Amarillo to recapture that great, loving time. He told me about meeting Barbara, marrying her. Right away he had to go to Korea. That's a different story all by itself. He hated Korea with a, with a passion. And from a man lived in Amarillo that loved cold weather, he thought the cold weather in, in Korea was unbearable. He said between Korea and the North Pole, there was nothing, not even a barbed wire fence. 
But when he came back to Amarillo and his loved ones, he told me he had four babies to feed. So he got in the tile business and built it up to one of the largest tile contracting business in that area. And at one time, he was the president of the State Association of Tile Contractors. But it just so happened that uh, the economy went south and business dried up. So he had to pick up his family and move to Irving. He was a tile contractor, and I was in the air conditioning business at the time. And we went to Joe's Cafe. A lot of people know Joe's Cafe. Uh, for coffee or for lunch. We found out we liked to play golf, so Ken and I played golf whenever we could. We played at it, we didn't play golf. <laughs> we traveled a lot, we laughed and cut up. Then one day he said, I'm going to be a home builder. What guts? <laughs> I mean, how many people here would wake up one morning and be a home builder? Well, he did. He started building houses. He bought a lot. He arranged financing, got the subs together, built a house. Barbara and Ken lived in the house for a long time. Okay. Then he got busy and found a niche. And it just so happened, he was so big that he bought lots 10 at a time. Very successful. Okay. And... Uh, he said it was a enjoyable time for him because people call him Mr. Smith. <laughs> but it just so happened that uh, the economy went south again on him. And to a normal person, this is probably the second time it happened to him. He didn't lose his faith. In fact, it encouraged him more to do more. He said, he's with me. I don't have to worry about a thing. One morning he called me and says, Joe, we have to talk. I said, okay. He said, my father called. And I said, your father? He said, yeah. He said, he wants to meet with me. And I said, well, he said, father, go talk to him. So after he met with his father, he called me. He said, I met with my father, and he filled a lot of information I knew nothing about. He filled a lot of voids. He said, but guess what? I said, what? He said, I have a brother and a sister. And from then on, it, not a meeting went by that he didn't talk about his new sister, Judy, and new brother, Bob. And on top of that, uh, his mother and father got together again. They married, and he was happy that he had someone to take care of his mother. And as they got older, his uh, sister Judy moved to Amarillo, and he got happy again. He, he said, I have someone to take care of my parents. I don't have to worry about them. Now, I just lost my train of thought. <laughs> but uh, the last meeting or two I had with Ken, he was uh, worried about Barbara more than anything. But uh, he found out with uh, the help of uh, Rachel and the Heavenly Father, she's going to be taken care of. And uh, 
I was at uh, Whataburger the other day, yesterday, probably Tuesday or Wednesday. That's where Ken and I used to go for coffee. Coffee's free, so he liked, he liked that. <clears throat> and he was there, and we talked. Okay? And uh, he told me the, the trip was well worth the effort, and it was great. And tell Barbara I love him. Tell, tell her that... Uh, Join him and, and Gideon any time they want to. He said he, lo- he said he loved you, Barbara. Ken's parents got back together because Ken had written a letter to his dad pursuing a relationship with him, and his dad responded positively, someone he hadn't been in touch with since he was two years old. And through that reconciliation, his mother was cared for in her elder years. She was reunited with his dad. He got a brother and a sister. And when he was building the house in Granbury, his parents gave him enough money to get it uh, done. And so through that reconciliation, his mother was cared for, a house was built, and uh, if that had not happened, this church would not be here. What in your life needs to be reconciled? And when it happens, what will be the ripple effect? Who knows? I know everyone here had their own special relationship with Ken or you wouldn't be here. I'm glad these are here because I may need them. With me, the relationship is simply he had become my best friend. So I've lost my best friend and it hurts. I, I met Ken through my new bride that the Lord gave me about 15 years ago. She knew Ken and Barbara. And we got married out in West Texas, and she wanted to move back to Granbury. She said, all the great people and good friends are in Granbury, and that included right up on top of the list, Ken and Barbara Smith. And she said, they live in a little mobile home out here on the lake at Granbury, and I want us to get a mobile home and move in there with them. So we did. And that was about roughly 15 years ago. So Ken and I met that way, and pretty soon after I barely knew him, and he said, I've got to put up a metal building out here because I've got some stuff i got to get out of storage. He said, my son was going to come and help me, but he can't be here. I said, well, shoot, I, I don't know anything about putting up metal buildings, but I'll, I'll help you. So he, I knew he did because I knew he was a builder, and so I said, well, you know, I can be a gopher, sort of. So we got out there and on the morning that we had to do it because his, his stuff was coming the next day. Man, it was windy, a windy, windy day. So I said, well, Ken, you know, you know how to do this. Just show me what to do. And, so we got the frame up pretty good because it was narrow stuff and didn't catch the wind too bad. But when we got ready to put up the big panels of metal, they were about, I guess, 15 inches wide, you know. And, and uh, he said he was over there checking the, doing the final checking of the frame, and he said, won't you bring one of those over this way and we'll put, see about putting it on. So I started over that way, and a big puff of wind came, and I had it broadside to the wind. <laughs> it almost got Ken after he had 
duck to save his life. He, he looked at me and very patiently said, Earl, if, if you just give it the narrow edge to blow against, it wouldn't be so dangerous. So, he was, even as I almost killed him, he was patient with me. So I said, this has got to be a pretty good old boy, you know. And, but through the years, we started doing little projects together and running around a lot. And, and then when they said, we're going to close down this little park that we had, some of you no doubt remember that little park. But uh, we went all over, we and Barbara and Carol and rode all over in Ken and Carol's, uh, Barbara's van, all over Hood County looking for a place to put our mobile homes. And they found us some pretty nice property and got set up, but we never did, so we went back to Midland for a period. Not for long because we missed Granbury. So we, we came back over here and, and lived where we really loved everything. Anyway, Ken and I continued to be buddies and we did all kind of little things together. And so in time, he just became simply my very best friend. And so I'm, boy, I'm missing him now. He was, but Ken was, as you all know, he's a great Christian man. He was a source of faith for me and strength, and I just looked to him for everything. And boy, it, he would work when he was hurting so bad, he would just keep going. And y'all all know, if you go, go out to Barbara's place and you can see that yard that he had made it out of rocks. He just moved all those rocks and built it into a beautiful uh, thing. It's hard to describe, but anyway, we love Ken and Barbara, and we're just going to miss him like all of you are. And that's what more can you say than he was a great Christian man and a great friend, and we're going to miss him terribly. Thank you so much. He said, I'll love you till I die. She told him you'll forget in time. As the years went slowly by, she still prayed upon his mind. He kept her picture. On his wall Went half crazy Now and then But he still loved her Through it all Hoping she'd come back again Kept some letters By his bed In 1962 He had underlined in red Every single I love you I went to see him just today Oh, but I didn't See no tears 
all dressed up to go away. First time I'd seen him smile in years. He stopped loving her today. It placed a reef upon his door, and soon they'll carry him away. He stopped loving her today. You know, she came to see him one last time. Oh, and we all wondered if she would. And it kept running through my mind. This time, he's over her for good. He stopped loving her today. It placed a reef upon his door And soon they'll carry him away He stopped loving her today What about your dad? Did you... Did you have any singing lessons? Me? I was a bluegrass man. y'all meet? I was living out there too at the same time. In Pleasant Valley? I didn't know her. Well, well, I was a couple grades ahead of her. And uh, we didn't meet till after we both graduated. She graduated. After I got back graduated from high school. He was in the ceramic towel business at the time. But now I was still in high school. The guy that uh, she used to date was a helper. I said a helper. We went out to the swimming pool with him. We Which swimming pool was it? Tottleson Pool. Thank you, baby. How sweet it is to be loved by you. It's just like sugar. So, y'all met up at the swimming pool? Yeah, she. And she, she really looked good, basically. So, she, you know, she was a fullback for Lamarose. <laughs> she's pretty husky. <laughs> but she was real popular. We had a lot of good good times in Emerald High School because we were the only high school. It started about Third uh, Street on one end, on the north side, and then it went all the way through down to where they used to have it, right in front of the high school, was a double dip. 
and then turn around and go through that, see if you see anybody you know, and then you'd go back down and make the drag again and looking for girls and stuff, you know. And we'd run all over town chasing them. And, and the Paramount Theater was the main, you know, everybody went to the movies on Friday night. Neat, neat memories of fun, fun times back then. So did either one of y'all go to college? No, I went, I went to the Army. It's two years in Korea and then I got out, I started Amarillo College and went one semester. So were you living with her when you started, when you went to college? No, we were married. Oh, you were married at the time? We got married about a month before I went into the Army. In 1952, and then I got out of the Army in 54. And they lived on Pierce Street, see, then, mm -hmm. went into the Army. Grandma did? Uh-huh. 12, 12 Pierce. And the, the expressway bought them out, so they uh, bought the house over on Tyler. That park was just beautiful. We used to have our Easter egg hunts there. Uh -huh. Easter egg hunts. That was mine! That was mine! I found it first! It's mine! I'll get that one! I got the last one! one. It's my turn to get one! Mama! 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 That's mine! Mama! I want that one! Look over there! There's another one! Mama! I get this one! I get that one! No, 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 no! I get that one! I get it first! And that big slide, y'all would slide down. So what was the best thing that y'all liked about Amarillo? The water. <laughs> they had the best water in the Deep well water. It cool off at night. It's not very humid up there like it is down here. No, we, no it's drier climate. We never had an air conditioner except for a water cooler. Baberty. We didn't need it back then. Mm -mm. So were y'all going to First Baptist Church back then or? When y'all were in high school? Well, no. I started when we were nine years old, Bill and I were, we moved into town, like I said earlier. And we lived there right across the street from the pastor of the First Baptist Church, Dr. Foreman and his family. We lived on Tyler and they lived on Polk. And so every time they went to church, I went with them. And Sandra and Bill too on occasion. And uh, then you know, that's where I was going when we got married. And then he liked a smaller church. First Baptist we was joined, so large. We joined First Baptist and went there for about a year or two. Yes, we did. We went there for I remember years. going to vacation Bible school. Uh -huh.
instructions or did no. you just y'all just kind of built it out of your head yeah. you, was yeah. it flat on the bottom flat on the bottom this is mostly my design and uh, anyway we took it up to New Mexico it's a, called a crater lake it's Shredda it's a big crater you had to go where wind around Get in it. Get in. <laughs> it's not a good sign. That's not. <laughs> I'll turn it down. 
I remember all y'all were laughing about it. So. Ken's personal testimony, his walk with the Lord, there was two significant things. One was when the Lord delivered him from drinking, when he truly repented and believed on the Lord as a, as a Baptist, became devout. And then the other experience was when he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He would always talk about that with joy. And we're delighted today to have here with us the man that ministered to him the day he received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, Pastor Olin Griffin, founding pastor of Shady Grove Church. Can we show our appreciation? My memory lane is something else, isn't it? To be able to look back and, on our lives and sort of use this as a time to think, what, what, what's going to be said about me when this time comes? What would I like for them to write on my gravestone? This is a serious time, but it's a good time, too, because Ken was such a wonderful, wonderful man. I remember we, we had a building burned down, Baptist Church building, and, um, and we had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we were grateful to have a little school building to meet in that the Dallas Sheriff's Department had provided for us. And it was in that school building that Ken and Barbara first came to Shady Grove Church. And um, they invited us, consequently, they invited us to their home. That's when I had the opportunity and the privilege to be able to pray for them for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Ken's life just glowed with excitement. It seemed like the smallest thing he could get excited about, and we could laugh about it. But there is a passage of Scripture that may seem, may seem a, little, a little strange to you that the Lord laid on my heart, never heard it preached in a message, never thought of preaching this one in a message from, concerning uh, uh, someone's death. But here's the story. It was about Stephen. You know, Ken was a, a deacon, at Shady Grove. And so here's a story about a deacon. And his name was Stephen. Stephen was a righteous man that really stood up against the way the things were going religiously in, the, in that day. And he even spoke to the Pharisees about their shortcomings and they didn't like it. Therefore, they heard what he had to say in chapter 4. 7 of Acts and verse 54, they heard these things and they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he being full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at his right hand. And he said, look, I see heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. 
and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of the young man named Saul, which was Paul, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now this is an interesting passage when it comes to, to Ken. Because I believe that as Stephen saw the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven and the glory of the Lord, and Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, so that every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ will have the same experience in one way or another. Because this life is not the only life there is. And we oftentimes live it like this is it. But there is another life after this. We move from one life to another life. There is a transition when we close our eyes in one arena and open our eyes to another arena. And I literally believe in the grace of God. I believe this, in the grace of God, that when a person dies, they lit, that Jesus literally stands at the right hand of the Father to receive us into the kingdom of heaven, that kingdom of heaven. And, and this is what I say. You say, how in the world could we match up to what Stephen did? How in the world could we be a, a Stephen that healed the sick, that worked wonders, that had, he could speak toward the religious world in, in that time. And, and, and we, sure, I see that, that God, that Jesus would stand for him because he did all of these signs and wonders and miracles by the, through the baptism in the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit. But for me, how would that, how would that work? But listen, Jesus told a story in scripture about giving talents. He gave five talents to one man, two talents to another man, and one talent to the third man. And he said this, that he gave to each the talents that they were able to bear. The talents that they had the strength to do. Each one he distributed according to their abilities, according to their strengths. All of us are different, and we have different strengths and different abilities, and God doesn't give the same talents to all of us, but we saw the talents that, that Brother Ken had. It's funny, we, we used to call him Bro Ken, uh, B-R-O, Bro, and Ken. Oh, we, Broke in. I, I don't think he liked it a whole lot, but, but it really, it was, it was a picture of his life. He was a broken man that God could use. But don't laugh about it. They call me B.O. <laughs> Short for Brother Olin. So um, I didn't like that either. But nonetheless, nonetheless we, we've got to remember that God gives us talents according to our abilities according to our strengths, and how we apply ourselves to that. It's, that's all that Stephen did. That's what Brokin did. 
Brother Ken, that's what he did. He applied himself to the giftings and the abilities that God had given him. And we each can do the very same thing. And so I believe based upon that, that whenever we pass on, that Jesus Christ is going to stand at the right hand of the Father to receive us. Now that's going to be a good day. And I know it's hard for us to see it here. And we're going to miss him. But he's not lost. I hear people say, uh, well, I hear you lost your husband. No, he's not lost. I know where he is. He's not lost at all. We're going to be back together one of these days. Brother Ken Ken and Barbara came to the church in 1975, and I noticed right off that he was a very unassuming man, and and he was a man of of, uh, character. Whatever he said, that's exactly what he would do. He was full of talent. He was full of abilities, and he did those things and fulfilled them. I recall his hunger for God. But some of the funniest things, he and Barbara were part of our first home group. And we've had the same home group, and part of that home group is still meeting to this day. And we started meeting in 1975, and Ken and Barbara were faithful. We met every Friday night. And we would go out to the, to the pizza place after, after the meeting. We sometimes wouldn't get through with our meeting until 11 o'clock, and we'd go to the pizza place on... Uh, I don't even remember what street, MacArthur Boulevard, I believe it was, and we Beltline, and we went to the pizza place on Beltline, uh, and, and we would have pizza at 11.30, 12, and 12.30 at night in this pizza place and, and just have the best time and laugh about everything that you can imagine. But that's, that, that was the, what we did. That was, that's what he did, and we just had an absolutely wonderful time. I, re, I remember whenever we begin the the church begin to grow and um we needed a, a building and he was part of a prayer uh, meeting that we would meet on saturday nights down in that old stinky school building thank god that the sheriff's department loaned it to us but let us use it but it smelled like cigar and cigarette smoke and and brother ken and i would meet early in the mornings when we meet in that building and we would take our spray cans and we'd walk around everywhere and spray it down so that people wouldn't smell the old, the old odor in there. And that's the kind of guy. But in a, in a prayer meeting, we were praying and said, well, what are we going to do for a, a, a land? Because we couldn't be, rebuild where we were. So God provided about five or six acres for us. And uh, we said, well, how are we going to build the building? Well, Ken, I didn't realize that Ken had this ability to do that. And he said, hey, listen, uh, let's just go for it and, and see if God will open the doors, a man of faith. And well, okay, so we started. And sure enough, we got the property. We built a, a building, just the skin. It was a metal building and just the skin. And it was huge. I mean, the sanctuary itself, I mean, huge for us. The sanctuary itself would hold 400 people. And, and, so, and that's not counting uh, the children's ministry and classrooms and the kitchen. and all. It didn't include all of that. It was a nice-sized building. I could have never in my life um, been able to put this thing together if it hadn't have been for Ken and for others at the time. But Ken was like the overseer for that. This may be a little insight for you in, in the Ken's, into what Ken's heart was for the church. But I said, we were walking around, and 
I said, I said uh, Ken, I don't know what to do next. And he said, well, we need some wallboard. I said, wallboard? Uh, how much do we need? Uh, he figured in his, in his mind a little bit, and I think we need so certain number amount of wallboard. I thought, where in the world could we get it? We didn't have any money, and we were going to build it by faith, you know, as the money would come in. So uh, I was driving down the street just about a mile away from the, the church building, and there was I noticed there, there was a, a, a building, a factory-looking building, and I went down there and, and, and noticed that they made, and I didn't know it before, that they made wallboard. And I said, look, um, we're building a church building up there. Could we possibly buy some wallboard from you? And he said, oh, no, there's no way, because we can only sell it to other people, to retailers. And he said, what do you need it for? And, and I told him again what it was about. He said, um, we do have some seconds. Would you like to look at them? And I said, yeah. They, they, they didn't look like seconds to me. I really believe he pulled some good boards out. And he said, uh, how much do you need? And I told him. He said, if you like this, yeah, we'll sell it to you. It was an unbelievable price. I don't remember the exact amount. Now, oh, yes, I do. It was like it was like $2,000, $2, something like that. And I thought, that's, that's a good price. And um, I said, okay, we'll load it up and take it up there. I said, and, and bill me, and, and I'll send you the money. So I knew we didn't have $2,000. And, and I said, bill me, and, and, and we'll send you the money um, at, on the billing date. Okay, uh, but I can't do that. But I'd love to sell it to you. I said, well, what do you mean? He said, we have to have cash when we deliver it. Um, okay, uh, go ahead and load it up and deliver it. So I drove straight to the home, our house, and I said, Sybil, guess what? We got this wallboard, and it's about to be delivered to the church building, and we don't have any money in the church account. Got a phone call. Phone call was the sec secretary. Hey, would you believe we got a check today? How much is it? She said, guess. And I said, uh, $2,000. She said, how'd you know? She said, this just came in from, from some donor. We don't even know who the peop these people are. And they just sent the check. I said, would you make out a church check for the same amount? And I'll be by in just a moment and pick it up. This is the truth. Pick it up. I drove, I drove to the church lot, and the, just as the truck pulled up, they unloaded the wallboard. I handed them the $2,000 check. Ken came over, and he said, um, I said, you got the wallboard? I said, yeah, but I don't know how to put it up. He said, just leave it to me, and we'll get it up. That man taught men, women, and youth in our church how to pull up, put up wallboard, how to tape and bed it, how to make it look perfect, how to lay tile in the church. He taught anyone in that church that, that wanted to do it. He taught them, and we put that thing together under Ken's instruction. He was the man that was managing the whole thing. And that lets you know what Ken's heart was toward the church. And um, 
And I just, I, I just love that man. I love him, I love him, I love him for his heart for the kingdom, his heart for the leaders, his heart for me, and um, his hunger for God. I remember one time um, I heard about a church in Kentucky. You remember, you remember Barbara going to Louisville, Kentucky. There was a church there on fire for God, we heard. So we went there, drove there, and, and Ken got off the road, and we were in Nashville somewhere, and we got off. We were, ended up in the, in the city dump, and we, we laughed our, our heads off. Ken said, I was just following instructions. We turned around, got back on the highway, and we got to the church. And after we visited at the church for a, a day or two, we turned around, headed back home, and we picked up one, we picked up one song. I will sing unto the Lord. And we sang that song all the way back in the car. It was, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously, the horse and rider thrown into the sea. How many of you remember that song? We picked that song up at that church in Kentucky, and we sang it all the way back home, and then we must have sung it, I don't know how many years, in the congregation after that. Then... We heard something else was going on up in Seattle, Washington, a revival at another church up there, and we were so hungry for the presence of God and for the power of the Holy Spirit till Ken and Barbara and, and our, our, our um, home group got in his uh, mobile home and drove all the way to Seattle. And we got up to Seattle, and we, they just saw the moving of the Holy Spirit. And these things added to the life of the church. I believe that Shady Grove Church became a place of multiplication and a place of the Spirit and the presence of God because mainly of Ken and Barbara and others like him and like her who came and brought their heart together a hunger for God's presence. So he was a man after God's own heart. He really, really was. He had these talents talents and ability that I told you about, but he also had a heart of, of giving. He was a very giving man. Uh, the first house that we had in Grand Prairie or in the Metroplex was built by him. He said, Pastor, I... I want to give you a gift. Uh, I'll pay for the labor if you'll pay for the parts. And he sold us our our first house, our second house we'd ever owned, one in Abilene and and this one. He he said, if you'll just uh, pay me for the parts, for the wood, for the material, then I'll take the labor and give you the labor. And that's how we moved into our our first house. It's just amazing at his heart uh, for us. And on a personal note, too, the first trip that my wife and I took to Israel in 1977, Ken and Barbara paid for it. We could have never done it otherwise. And God opened doors of ministry that's going on to this day. To this day. A strong movement of, and ministry to Jews all over the world was opened up on that one trip, and they paid for the trip. That's the heart of generosity that they had. So, um, as I said a moment ago, I, I, I could just keep on going, but the church here 
to a large degree is here right now because of Ken and Barbara. Pastor was just telling me some of the stories of that, the early days and what all went on and how the church was formed. And, and in fact, Pastor came out of uh, Shady Grove and he was an elder. And uh, he and his wife were there at Shady Grove Church and we just felt like it was too long. It's too long of a story to get into, but we just felt like that that uh, this was a fit for him. And he he asked the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit revealed this is where we belong. And so they came out of Shady Grove here. But they came. All, Ken and Barbara were already here, and they were already here in a home group. And so his life has had tremendous impact in spiritual ways. On, on other people. So um, I just wanted to let you know how much we love him, Barbara, how much we love you, how much we love the family. We haven't forgotten the things that he's done for us and for the Lord. And I think the half hasn't been told that whenever we get to heaven, we're going to have a great time of sitting around talking about what God, what we did here and uh, about the potential of, of heaven and living there, that, that's, it's going to be great. You know what? It's going to be great. I think that that as I close, I just want to remind you that in Second Corinthians 5.8, it says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In Second Timothy 4.6, Paul said that his time of departure is at hand. The word departure in the Greek is a, is a word that is a naval term like the undocking of a ship. And he understood, Paul the Apostle understood that whenever we leave this body, it's like the undocking uh, from this body spiritually, that our spirit, our soul doesn't die, but our body stays here. Our body's not who we are. Who we are is who we are on the inside. And, and I, I love to think that one of these days, according to scriptures, and you've already read it, and I was going to read it, but you've already read it, but we're going to be together again. And he said that there will be a day coming when he will come with all the saints, if we're still here, and we'll be caught up with him. And if, if we go before that, then we'll be part of the group that comes back with Jesus Christ to the, to the world to set up his kingdom here. And he said, and with these words, comfort one another. And he didn't say it was wrong to have to be sorrowful, but he said, we just are not sorrowful the way people of the world are sorrowful. They think it's the end of everything, and for some of them it is. But we know it's not the end of everything. And the words that were used a moment, a moment ago, earlier, some of us, in here, prayerfully, no one. I don't think anyone could be here and not be able to, to say what I'm about to say. But some people would say, uh, Ken, it was good to know you. Goodbye. But those of us who know the same Savior that Brother Ken knows, knew, will be able to say, Ken, we'll see you later. And that's what we're going, that's what I'm leaving with. Ken, Brother Ken, 
We'll see you later. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to celebrate a man of God, to be able to celebrate a man that is after your own heart. And I thank you, Lord, that we will be able to be together again and rejoice in heaven forevermore. In your name, amen.
Thank you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this gathering to celebrate the life of this man of God. We pray, Lord, we would take with us not only his memory, but lessons learned from his life. I pray, Lord, you'd use us to minister comfort in the coming days, weeks, months, and years to minister love to Ken's family. Miss Barbara, in Jesus' name, bless us as we go. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much for coming today. When I see the sunrise in the morning, when I Yeah.